Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at Fisher City Hall, and I'm with Todd Zimmerman, the recently elected, once again, to serve as the Fisher's City Council President. Uh, welcome back, Todd. Thank good you, Larry. It's, it's good to be back. It seems like we touched base quite a bit when, recently. Uh, last summer we talked, and we'll, talk, we'll get to that in a moment, because we'll touch on that issue that we talked about several months ago. But I have to start with this. You made a major announcement on social media today. You have signed up to become... A substitute teacher. Yes. The first uh, quote I heard from you was, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And I would have to say, that's right. (laughs) I have a feeling that's right. You know, I have a little bit of an inside track just because my wife worked for years uh, for Hoosier Road Elementary. And and so I kind of hear the stories from the schools and, and, but don't know everything, you know, that, that teachers go through and stuff. So it's, we have a situation where there just needs a lot of subs, and I'm, I want to step up. And I can't give a ton of time because i got a full-time job, but I, I have some flexibility where I can do that occasionally. So the best advice you received was from Clint Wilson, a former uh, school board member. who now it's about drinking water or something? First thing was uh, make sure you pack your own lunch. Yes. If you're going to an elementary school. Second thing is, don't drink too much water in the morning. You'll regret it. So yes. we don't have to go any further than that. Well, I'm going to brush up on kindergarten cop and watch <laughs> that a few times to, get, to prepare myself for, for uh, what's coming my way. Let's get into let's get into everything. I, I, just curious about this. Uh, this is your second time to be council president, but there's always kind of an internal process about about that. Explain. What led to you being elected here as the for the second round of being a council president? Well, actually, Larry, I didn't really have any interest in it, um, and just um, you know, sometimes there's dynamics that go on that that you really can, you know, how can each person what what can we do as individuals to continue to bring team together, right, and, and stay focused on the blocking and tackling, so to speak, of what a council should be. So we're we're a legislative, you know, branch of the government, and so we're not the executive. We're just checks and balances there. And just form, you know, I believe just good relationships with the fellow council members. Um, they just said, hey, Todd, would you be willing to step up uh, and do this? And, you know, we try to stay somewhat on a, on a rotation. Um, and uh, But at the same time, you know, this is we have a, we have a, lot, of, a lot of things coming this year. Uh, to fishers, I'm sure you're you know getting ready to ask questions about, and at least some of them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's just the 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 I guess the biggest reason was you know put a lot of hard work into you know the the rec center and and the things that are coming with that, and and uh, really feel like this is an opportunity to. Um, create even more vibrancy in our community. Well, and many describe the uh, role of the council president. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who have been involved with that at various governmental levels, and they say, well, basically, as the president or chairman or whatever you call yourself, you run the meeting. Your job is to run the meeting, and I have to tell you, that is no small thing. Now, since I've covered Fishers, people running meetings have been very, very efficient, very good. 
But years ago, back in the 70s, early 80s, I covered some meetings that were not run well, and they go well into the night for no good reason. So just that is not a small thing. And you've always run the meeting well, as have your colleagues on the council who have served as president. But I've, I've also found it, and I would like to get your reaction, I found it to be more than that because the president of the council is often called upon to speak for the council, or in many cases, sometimes for the majority, just sometimes for the entire council. And, and you sort of become a de facto leader of the group for that period of time you are the president. Would, would, how would you view it? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's important that, you know, what my view, personal views are, I keep that as separate as possible from really what is, what's the best interest, right, of our uh, the caucus, so the Republican caucus, but also the council at large and the, in the, in the community, right? And make sure that saying those things, when you, you know, when you, when you say something, it's hard to take that back, right? And you want to be careful of in, emo- in emotions or anything like that, of saying things that just, you know, can send emotions going wild. And we see that throughout politics today. And, and, and I do want to say one thing. Sometimes people don't get the language we all use. The word caucus is something we use, but a caucus really is just a political party. Each political party would meet outside the council, which the um, Open Door Law allows to be caucuses done in private and uh, then you can go into the meeting after that. And Democrats can do it as well as Republicans. Correct. It's usually more important with whoever's in the majority, be it the legislature or a, mm-hmm. a city council. Mm-hmm. So a caucus is just the same people in a political party, party privately meeting before decisions Correct. are made. Correct. So and, just, and, and the dynamics have changed because now having a couple Democrats on mm-hmm. the council, right, there's, there's just a dynamic change where before, back years ago, there was just Republican, you know, so whenever there's just one party, whether it's Republican, Republican or Democrat or whatever, um, those caucuses aren't really as as, as important. When you took a, take a look at the issue, you, I know you have a lot coming up this year, but the most important one that's been around for more than two years is COVID. That's got to be overriding one of the biggest issues Fisher's faces as well as the state and the nation. How do you see the uh, COVID situation today, January 28th, 2022 in Fisher's? I think our community has been uh, very embraceive of what our health department has has led the charge. And Monica has done a fa- – and her team, just want to say this, has done a fantastic job. That's Monica Heltz, who's the Monica public Heltz, health director. Correct, yeah. Who has just done a fantastic job keeping a level head – and focused on data, focused on the facts, moving forward, uh, the you know setting up the vaccine center. It was great that the you know the council that we all agreed upon that. I think uh, Mayor Fadness made an excellent choice in doing that and direction. It just helped our community and and yeah, I think we're going toward the backside of this. I really believe we're you know we're moving forward where this can be more where your primary care physician takes care of. The vaccinations or whatever, you know, and, and handling that. Um, and, but I, I just can't say enough uh, good things about how the communities responded. You got to cut through the bluster of some things you see, whether it's on social media or news reports or whatever, and go go to really the, the vast majority of Fisher's residents have ver- have just been very responsive 
to this pandemic and in a, in a really positive way. And I think we all need to remember Mayor Fadness took a lot of political heat when he created the Fisher's Health Department. And it wasn't a party thing. There were a lot of Republicans at the county level who were they weren't publicly criticizing him, but there was a lot of private criticism that I heard about and I'm sure you were aware of. And yet the reason, if you go back and ask him about that, the reason that the Fisher's Health Department was initially created was because the mayor could not find any other way to get a testing program started in the early stages of the pandemic. Exactly. I I remember speaking with the mayor. I I was sick with COVID back then. I didn't know at that time. This was what is it, April 2020 or I was early April. I think we were talking about this late March of 2020. And, you know, just he had that idea of the health department. And at those times, you know, when you're, when you're a, an executive position such as he is, and you have numbers presented to you of potential deaths of Fisher's residents, if you take this action, A, or B, this action, or C, this action, you have these options, Right. And you don't know anything. I mean, we're not medical experts. We don't know anything that's going on at that time. Got to remember, it's it's really you have to you have to make tough decisions regardless of what people may think or feel at the moment, right? Feelings and emotions can really dictate us to go di- or, or direct us going the wrong direction. Most of us in our life, we have to be driven by facts and really what we feel like is the best. Uh, outcome for the community and bringing that health department. There's nothing against the Hamilton County Health Department. Absolutely nothing against it. This was just an opportunity where the testing and then that local data to really be able to hone in because it's hard. I mean, nobody knew how to handle this at that time. No one. And so it was it was a tough decision but not a tough decision, if that makes any sense. Let me move on to something else, because even though there's not a city election coming up until 2023, there is new census data, and the council districts are going to have to be redrawn. Now, this will not impact you. You're an at-large member. You run in the entire city. Uh, but uh, it will impact six uh, of the nine council districts. When do you expect the council to begin work on the redistricting process? Uh, pretty soon. There, I mean, I believe the conversation, preliminary conversations will be gone. And, and um, so look at just looking at the, the maps, figuring out what, you know, what the what's best for um, legally and compliance and then with, for our community to be best represented. I don't know of a community in Indiana that's changed as much as Fishers in 10 years. It's It's been dramatic. I, I can't even I mean. Larry, back in '89, when I first moved here, we—I think it was six thousand. I might be—I I I might think, be underestimating, but I, I think it was about six thousand residents then. I came two years after you. Yeah. The 1990 census was 7,500, roughly. So it was about yeah, it was around yeah. six thousand, mm-hmm. maybe seven thousand when I got here. And when now, I got here in '90, I was telling people it's under ten thousand at that point, and we had started to grow at that point. Yeah, it's it's, uh, and just in the last ten years, I mean, it's not as as rapid as we've seen in some other de- decennials, uh, 10-year periods, but it's still a lot. Right, right. Um, I want Speaking of that, let me move on to the next issue, which 
has to do with a report that just came out by a, a, a contractor that was hired called Urban Partners out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They began, I was not able to come to the meeting, but I watched the video. They began presenting uh, the Fisher's Housing Needs and Strategy Report at the last council session. This is a 91-page report not including the index at the end. (laughs) So that's a lot of pages, a tremendous amount of data in that report. And I I can't, I didn't memorize it all, but I I tried to pick out when I wrote a story, just some of the main uh, data points that were presented to you as council members and didn't even get through the whole presentation Mm -hmm. because you were time limited there. You know, I've obviously written about it. uh, So has the Indianapolis Star written about that report. And the report also contains a number of recommendations for the city in pretty key areas, senior housing, young adults moving here, the general quality of housing in Fishers, and of course, an issue that comes up a lot, the whole issue of affordable housing. So I'm sure you've read the report by now. What is your initial reaction to those recommendations? The initial reaction is I'm not really surprised. You know, we have... We've talked about this for years uh, with regard to if you want to create a smart, vibrant, entrepreneurial city, that encompasses whole life cycle, right? So that would be from crib to aged, finding the places that are best suited for, you know, the residential, what type of residential uh, features, architecture, designs, that you know that goes down to then affordability and affordability that that word gets thrown around in a lot of different contexts and you know you, you just look at it and say okay is a, a a recently graduated college graduate comes back to Fishers which is what we want you know gets their first job first main job out of out of college into their career you know what's the afford, affordability for them affordability, you know, that we got to be careful. Once again, emotions, we talk about like, you go with health department, you can go with housing, you can go with all sorts of things that create then buzzwords within those contexts. And you got to be really cautious about how you label something. Um, I, you know, when you see on social media and you watch, there's some sort of crime, whatever, you know, some criminal act and well, they must be from, uh, an apartment complex. I've seen these comments. Okay. Well, I lived in an apartment complex for years out of college. You know, does that make a person a bad person? Absolutely not. Now I voted against some apartment complexes and I voted for some apartment complexes based on architecture, based on functionality within the community. And, and those are, and, and, and really what are we, what's the drive behind it? Is it just to fill land, right? Or is it a, is actually a purpose behind it in a, in a grand scheme of things? And so that report's going to help us. I think it's going to help guide uh, and that's that's uh, as I've read it all. I have not consumed it all, if that makes sense. I've read it, it, does, but, yeah. it but it's going to take some time to really consume it and see what the best direction is going forward. Interesting, you mentioned that because my daughter lives in a city called Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is the largest city in South Dakota, which is not it's still about one hundred eighty thousand. It's not a large city. The reason I mentioned that is that there was the people were coming to their meetings and complaining about. Uh, just what you mentioned, crime in apartment complexes. So I can't remember if it was a police department or an outside contractor, but I read their local newspaper, and they did an intensive study and found 
that there was no more crime in apartment complexes than in any other part of the city. Sometimes we get these preconceived notions and the data doesn't back it up. It's kind of what you were. And I lived in apartments for years and I saw very little crime. So it just depends on once again, it's hard to find in this culture, but you have to be careful of staying away from buzzwords or reacting to certain things based on what a potential political, right? There's, there's some people that will not vote for you based on certain things that they have perceived, you know, uh, they've perceived of a particular kind of person that will live somewhere. And that's very dangerous when you're, when you're dealing with public policy. Well, let's move on to something not dangerous at all. And, and that has to do with what we talked about several months ago last summer when you and I talked. Um, it has to do with the new city hall, the new arts center, and the community center, also called a recreation center, uh, the interchangeable names there. Um, a lot has happened. Uh, you were part of that group that would, tried to envision what all that might look like. It looks like we're moving toward a combination city hall, arts center, and a separate community center. Um, the mayor says the coming weeks may not have much publicity or much to report. A lot of technical work is being done uh, to figure out how those uh, those plans might come together. So at this point, as somebody who's been so heavily involved from the beginning, what can you tell the residents of Fishers about what to expect from these new plan facilities? So first of all, to the residents, I would say, you were the main reason for this. And and a lot of times people feel maybe blindsided by projects because they're not intimately involved in it. You know, there could be economic projects bringing jobs to the community and all of a sudden you hear about it, right? But with this, it started from, you know, years ago, there's been talks and talks of a rec center. We all are well aware of that, those that have been around the community for a while. However, uh, put that... Put that um, questionnaire out to the community, right? I think about a year ago, roughly mm-hmm. about a year ago, and had no idea. We, we, we wanted to make sure that our preconceived ideas or thoughts of what it should be were not the ones that were driving this. It may drive the initial thoughts of even doing a project like this, but, but you know, we didn't, you know, we wanted to make sure we weren't just doing something in a silo or in a vacuum. And so we, what we did was we sent that survey out and we got tremendous amount. I mean, thousands of responses, which is big, which is really big for community to have thousands of responses to, you know, to, to any kind of survey that goes out. And with that, you could also tell that it wasn't the same groups or interests responding to it. It was a a variety of interests that were out there. One of those was we we knew that we needed indoor rec space. We we knew that as something that was, but how, how much or whatever was negotiable. Didn't realize the interest in the arts. Now, the art community, we go, well, of course we, you know, this is right. They're going to hear that go, well, of course, but they understand what I'm saying. We've had these long conversations. Didn't realize it. And, and through that, it, it's been able to form this where instead of having a rec center with an art center in it and just as a shared space, there are two spaces for – there's two separate spaces, which I think is going to be wonderful for the arts and also for the rec. And so – Basically, where we're at is we're, we are in the logistics part. We're in the fine-tuning part before we can announce to the community the exact extent of everything. However, um, 
with City Hall and the situation, we never wanted to. That was not an initial thought of City Hall until the issues with regard to the sinking, uh, you know, at this particular building. I feel like it, you know, it's it's an opportunity now to fix this, use this land, and to be able to have a combined art center and uh, City Hall. And the mayor made it very clear from the very beginning at that uh, big meeting you had over at uh, Connor Prairie that he really, this was not something he ever really wanted to do. Absolutely. The idea yeah. of building a new city hall. But it, the reason he had felt he had a responsibility fiscally to do it, it was costing a fortune to keep this building going. I, I think the estimates were a little over a million dollars a year just to keep this safe. That's not acceptable. Yeah, it's just not something that's prudent. It's not something wise for taxpayers. And the price tags are not small because we're talking the City Hall Art Center is north of $20 million. And the uh, rec center, I, I'm not sure you have a real good uh, idea. Is it $40, $50 million? It's roughly in that range right, th- so, right there. But, but here's the thing. I've asked the mayor three times about this. Are you confident you can do all this without an increase in the tax rate. And he consistently says, yes, I was at the uh, finance committee meeting where he laid it out and being an old tax guy, you know, I'm not, I'm not great with numbers, but I can sort of figure right. them out. And I, I know only a handful of people with the knowledge he has of, of Indiana government finance. And he does have a plan uh, to do this in a way structure it in a way where it will not impact the tax rate people pay. It doesn't protect you from increasing your valuation and all that. That's outside the city's control, but the rate is what the city does have some influence over. So uh, you see those price tags are high, but yet the mayor is saying he can do this without a rate increase. And that's, that is something. Yeah. Imagine being able to announce to the community, a new rec center that's going to be, don't think of a box, Think of something that's really dynamic, something that, that people will, when, they'll, when they see it, they're going to go, that's unique to Fishers. That's something that's exciting. And an arts center combined with a city hall downtown where you can have, so you'll have one, one area of town with the rec center and then downtown Fishers with the arts and city hall right here where you have the amp right outside. So you can have indoor theater and outdoor theater, and have arts uh, festivals and everything. The, the rec center, as it's been conceived, is a big project, will take a lot of land. Has the city or the group working on this uh, found maybe a handful of possible locations, or where are you at on that? Yeah, so we're, we're pretty close on that. And okay. so that's – I can't really get into that right now, um, but – Definitely talking to landowners right now with regard to it, and um, you know it's 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 one of those things where it's you're right. It needs to ha- you need to have some um, good amount of acres uh, to handle this, and also potential for growth on that because we're trying to plan out for you know 120,000 residents or so. I think our, the projection is 136,000 on that housing study, mm-hmm. but you know you never know exactly the numbers. But it'll make sure we're planning in such a way that a it does not burden future future residents, right? Where there's all of a sudden you can't pay for it, or your operational costs. Where we want to make sure we're doing the right thing right now and in the right place right now. Yeah, and I, I know one question that came up at one point in all this is, well, how are we going to be able to hire the staff to support all this? 
The mayor's answer was, well, particularly with the rec center, maybe even with the arts center, we'll have an opportunity to gain some revenue on that. I mean, there'll be people renting that out who are not doing city projects, and he thinks that would be enough money to to underwrite whatever staff is needed. Yeah, there, there's absolutely that opportunity there. And, and what's the first and foremost is taking care of our rec needs, especially Mudsock. Uh, the, they've got quite a bit of needs there for space. And then, but with that too, there's opportunities to um, have entities be able to rent out things to help with the revenue. Moving on to another subject, I just read a recent well-known business newsletter, and that newsletter says that one of the big growth industries in America in the years ahead will be the life sciences. Now, it listed several metropolitan areas as possible growth areas. Indiana was not on that list, and Indianapolis metro area, they were talking about metro areas, was not on the list, at, at least not at this time. Now, we do have in Fishers two pretty major life science economic development projects already, I think they're under construction as we speak. Uh, two foreign entities have come, decided to, to, to locate in Fishers. So my question to you is, with all that in mind, is, is Fishers positioned to grow in the life sciences, even if maybe the Indy metro area may not be? Absolutely. I mean, this is this is one of those areas that I know very little about personally, and I'm so excited about this. This is transformational for our community. Never would have dreamed of Fishers, Indiana, being a hub for life sciences. And whoever's writing the article, whatever you're referring to, they, they would probably have no thought of that either. But once, once these companies get firmly entrenched here, I believe that that narrative is going to change. And it's it's really, you know, not only, and I, I really believe this impacts our region. It's not just Fishers. I think once once that growth takes place and once they see this the community and they see the region, you're going to see a lot more life science discussions. There are discussions going, more discussions going on, but you'll see that happening. And, and I, I think it impacts Noblesville, Carmel, you know, Westfield potentially, and then just around the loop, you know, the donut counties around Indianapolis. I think that really impacts the, the whole community. And those companies all know each other and they interact. And if uh, these two new companies here work out well, that word will get around. That, and that'll change those narratives. <clears throat> I want to talk about something else because, uh, again, I didn't attend the last council meeting. I was out of town for that. But uh, the council unanimously approved a new set of rules guiding council committees and appointments to, uh, the council makes to boards and commissions. And what I found most striking was uh, Democrat. You have two Democrats, uh, seven Republicans on the council. Democrat Councilor Crystal Newman was a part of that process and the committee that put that together. And, and she was heartily praised the work that went into the compromise agreement because I don't know. It says a lot when the council can do something unanimously that's very important, when the Democrats and Republicans are on board with anything. So so even though Republicans have a clear majority in the mayor's office here, uh, my question to you is, with that in mind, is it important to come to a bipartisan agreement on major issues such as this uh, committee and appointment system? I think it speaks volumes to our council and to our community. And it, the importance, as we were all talking, the importance this this signals 
to the community in, in the environment we're in politically in this country, it, it was very important. And it's something that, you know, whether, whether someone likes it or not, whether a Republican or Democrat or whatever, right. Independent or whatever you want to label somebody. It's important that if they're elected, they need to have a voice for their constituents. And that, that is something that, you know, whether I like it, whether someone else likes it, doesn't really matter. And so it's it was it was vital. And I, I felt personally, I felt like this was important. This was, you know, it was a it was a step in the right direction for us to continue to make sure that we are uh, representing the right way the almost one hundred thousand residents of Fishers, um, and also just being examples to a, a greater greater cause. And when this was first proposed, and there was an original proposal put out there. There were some pretty heated discussions going on in the council, and I remember you were one of the people who said, "Okay, let's let's calm down, let's talk about this, let's see what we can do." And eventually, it got done. Yeah. Sometimes the best way to deal with arguments is let's chill for a minute, without a lack of a better term, <laughs> right? Just relax. This isn't the end of the world. We've, we're going through a lot of things in this world that could be far worse. Let's make sure that when we're making decisions, we're listening to everybody, and then if you then then vote right. Then if you disagree with something, vote your conscience. I'm not asking anybody to compromise their values, their conscience, what they believe in, but I am asking for people to shut their mouths some and just listen, right? And, and listen, and that starts with me. That doesn't start. I'm not. This is not at anybody. This is starts right here with me. I need to listen more. I want to make sure I'm listening more, uh, even if I initially disagree with something, I can learn from somebody else. Do you think this new uh, policy toward appointments and commissions uh, that the council makes will lead to more diverse appointees? Yeah, and I, I and that's where that's one of those things where I feel like, you know, as as I look through, I was looking through the list and those that that are appointed. I feel like in this once again, but I'm willing to listen, right? I feel like there is diversity there. And I want to make sure we're not changing for for just the sake of what someone looks like or feels like or whatever, that we're just changing that from someone that is really one can, wants to continue to serve and loves doing it and is giving their giving to their community. So we gotta be real careful with this. You know, I think there's diversity, however, however, I'm willing to listen. And that's what that's what I think this is about. We gotta be willing to listen because any of us can have blinders, right? Any of us can have blind spots in our life that we don't see what somebody else sees. You know, I think when uh, Warren Harling, Butch Harling, passed away, and I, I love, I mean, you know, he's a man that I thought the world of and hated to see him go because so much institutional knowledge exactly. was lost yes. when, yeah. when he passed away. Uh, unfortunately, I learned so much talking. Anytime I sat and talked to him, I learned so much about the history of this community. But his replacement is Howard Stevenson, an African-American attorney who served some time on the um, Hamilton Southeastern School Board. And I've been to a few of those meetings, and he will be the first to admit that he had big shoes to fill. And he's done a very good job so far. He's done a wonderful job. And that, to me, that is exactly, you know, you you take someone who unfortunately passed away, who, who had so much knowledge, like you said, so much knowledge, you don't want to just replace – if he was still here with us, 
you wouldn't just replace somebody just to replace somebody. But but Howard's done a fantastic job. Yeah, there's a lot to learn, but it, but that's that's with any of us. Any, you know, anybody that would step in, he's done a fantastic job. He's a great person. That's more important to me. Like he's a, just a great human being. And so when you can look at that and look at those sets, the skill sets, and the way you handle people, that's how I, I want. I would hope that our appointed process takes place, right? We appoint the right people for the right reasons, and everything will work out. Well, those are my questions. I can't ask about everything. Anything you would like to add? Just go back to the first thing If it, we talked about with, um, with subbing at the schools. You know, I just asked people, you know, there's a lot of opinions out there, and there's a lot of stuff that goes around about the schools right now. And I would ask, whatever side you're on or whatever situation – Give a few days, right? Go, just go in and see. That's what I'm doing, right? Just go in and see uh, how you can help and how you can give back to the community. And when you get fired up, whether it's the schools or whether it's whatever's going on in the community, I've always found if you just take a moment, take a deep breath, relax, and go serve somehow in some capacity somewhere, that might help those feelings of like, I feel like I can't, I don't have a voice or I don't have, you know, I can't change things. You can't just go, go volunteer. Yeah. Some of my most rewarding uh, experiences, my wife was on the PTO committee and I think in the elementary level and I was on the dad's club and we did all kinds of fundraisers and, and my, even though my daughters are adults, you know, you know, I, I have great memories of that. And if you want to know what's going on in the schools, Talk to teachers and go in the schools. It's amazing what you'll find out. Yeah, just go just go find out yourself. Todd Zimmerman, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank Thanks. you, Larry. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. <laughs>